0: Welcome, dear listeners. Please, take a seat. As we near the end of The Sign of the Four, I'd like to say a few things about some changes taking place. The first episode of The Next Story will be airing December 4th, and it's an original murder mystery that I think you'll really like. For that piece, and everything after, our schedule will be changing just a little. Episodes will air bi-weekly instead of weekly. Last, We have a new website and are now under the umbrella of Bare Bones Media. Don't worry though, we haven't been bought and nothing will change. But once we got to writing, we just couldn't stop. But not everything quite fit the feel of the Willowhaven catalog. So instead of changing the catalog, we're branching out with some new shows. The new site, barebonesmedia.ca, has the projected dates for each of the new projects, and I'll be posting updates as I have them. With that said, I have a story for you. Settle in. This is The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Chapter 11 The Great Agra-Treasure Our captive sat in the cabin opposite to the iron box, which he had done so much and waited so long to gain. He was a sunburned, reckless-eyed fellow, with a network of lines and wrinkles all over his mahogany features, which told of a hard, open-air life. There was a singular prominence about his bearded chin which marked a man who was not to be easily turned from his purpose. His age may have been fifty or thereabouts, for his black, curly hair was thickly shot with grey. His face in repose was not an unpleasing one, though his heavy eyebrows and aggressive chin gave him, as I had lately seen, a terrible expression when moved to anger. He sat now with his handcuffed hands upon his lap, and his head sunk upon his breast, while he looked with his keen, twinkling eyes at the box which had been the cause of all of his ill-doings. It seemed to me that there was more sorrow than anger in his rigid and contained countenance. Once, he looked up at me with a gleam of something like humor in his eyes.
1: Well, Jonathan Small, I must admit I'm sorry that it's come to this.
2: As am I, sir. I don't believe I can swing over the job give you my word on the book that I never raised hand against Mr. Shulte. It was that little hellhound Tonga who shot one of his cursed starts into him. I had no part in it, sir. I was as grieved as if it had been my blood relation. I welted the little devil with a slack end of the rope for it. But it was done. I could not undo it again.
1: Have a cigar, and you had best take a drink from my flask. You're quite wet. How did you expect so small and weak a man as Tonga to overpower Mr. Sholto and hold
2: him while you
1: climb the rope?
2: You seem to know as much about it as if you were there, sir. Truth is that I hope to find the room empty. I knew the habits of the house pretty well, and it was when Mr. Sholto usually went down to supper. I'll make no secret of the business. The best defense that I can make is just the simple truth. Now, if it had been the old major, I would have swung for him with a light heart. I would have thought no more of knifing him than of smoking the cigar. What happened to the young Sholto is unfortunate. I had no quarrel with him.
1: You are under the arrest of Mr. Athelney Jones of Scotland Yard. He's going to bring you up to my rooms, and I'll ask you for your side of the matter there. If you make a true account of it, I may be of use to you. I think I can prove that the poison X so quickly that he was dead before you ever reached the room.
2: That he was, sir. I never got such a scare in my life as when I saw him grinning at me, with his head on his shoulder, as I climbed through the window. It shocked me, sir. I'd have half-killed Tonga for it had he not run off. That's why he left his club, and some of his darts too, as he tells me, which I dare say helped to put you on our track. Though how you kept on it is more than I can tell. I hold no ill against you for it, but it does seem strange that I, who have a fair claim to nearly half a million, should spend the first half of my life building a breakwater in the Adamans, and may very well spend the other half digging drains at Dartmoor. It was a bad day for me when I first set eyes upon the merchant Achmed and had anything to do with the Agra treasure. It never brought anything but a curse to he that owned it. To him it brought murder, to Major Sholto it brought fear and guilt. To me, it's meant slavery for life.
3: Quite a party in here. Might I have a drink from your flask, Holmes? Well, I think we can all congratulate each other. Pity we didn't take the other alive, but he left us no choice. I say, Holmes, you must confess that you cut it rather close. We barely managed to catch her.
1: All is well that ends, well, But I certainly did not know that the Aurora was such a clipper. Smith says she's one of the fastest on the river and
3: that if he'd had another man to help with the engines, we'd never have caught her. He swears he knew nothing of this Norwood business.
2: I told him nothing. Not a word. I chose the Aurora because I heard she was fast. We paid him well, and he was to get something handsome if we reached our ship. The Esmeralda at Gravesend, bound for the Brazils.
3: Well, if he has done no wrong, we'll see that no wrong comes to him. If we're pretty quick in catching our men, we're not so quick in condemning them. We'll be at Vauxhall Bridge shortly and drop you, Dr. Watson, and the treasure box off. I don't need to tell you that I'm taking a grave responsibility on in doing this. It is most unusual. But of course, an agreement is an agreement. I must, however, as a matter of duty, send an inspector with you, since you have so valuable a charge. It is a pity there is no key that we may make an inventory first. You will have to break it open. Where is the key, my man?
2: At the bottom of the river.
3: (sighs) There was no need to give us this unnecessary trouble. We've had work enough already through you. However, doctor, I don't need to warn you to be careful. Bring the box back with you to the Baker Street rooms. You'll find us there on our way to the station.
0: They landed me at Vauxhall with my heavy iron box and with a bluff, genial inspector as my companion. A quarter of an hour's drive brought us to Mrs. Cecil Forrester's. The servant seemed surprised for so late a visitor. Mrs. Cecil Forrester was out for the evening, she explained, and likely to be very late. Miss Morstan, however, was in the drawing room, so to the drawing room I went, box in hand, leaving the obliging inspector in the cab. She was seated by the open window, dressed in some sort of white diaphanous material, with a little touch of scarlet at the neck and waist. The soft light of a shaded lamp fell upon her as she leaned back in the basket chair playing over her sweet, grave face, and tinting with a dull, metallic sparkle the rich coils of her luxuriant hair. At the sound of my footfall, she sprang to her feet, however, and a bright flush of surprise and pleasure colored her pale cheeks.
4: I heard a cab drive up. I thought Mrs. Forrester had come back very early, but I never dreamed that it might be you. What news have you brought me?
5: I've brought you something better than news. I've brought you something which is worth all the news in the world. I've brought you a fortune.
4: Is that the treasure, then?
5: Yes. This is the great Agra treasure. Half of it is yours, and half of it is Thaddeus Sholto's. You'll each have a couple hundred thousand. Think of that. An annuity of ten thousand pounds. There will be very few wealthier young ladies in England. Is it not glorious?
4: If that is to be, it's because of you.
5: No, 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 no. Not because of me, but because of Sherlock Holmes. This case challenged even his analytical genius. I wouldn't have been able to do anything without him, no matter how determined I was. As it was, we nearly lost it at the last moment.
4: Please, sit down and tell me all about it, Dr. Watson.
5: Well, Holmes has this irregular police force, and no, they are irregular. He instructed them to stick out and... Much for... This and that and this and that, jumping all around the place and was all on a boat. And after it was all over, we saw the poison dart that was lodged in the... Miss Morstan? Are you all right? Let me get you some water.
4: It's nothing. I'm all right again. It was just a shock to hear that I'd placed my friends in such danger.
5: It's all over. It was nothing. I won't share any more of the somber details. Let's turn to something better. There's the treasure. What could be more exciting than that? I got leave to bring it here, and I thought you would like to be the first to see it. Oh. Thank you, Dr. Watson.
4: It's very exciting. What a pretty box. This is Indian work, I suppose.
5: Yes, it is Benare's metalwork.
4: And it's so heavy. The box alone must be of some value. Where's the key?
5: Small threw it into the Thames. I need to borrow Mrs. Forrester's poker. (laughs) It's empty?
4: The treasure is lost.
5: Thank God.
4: Why do you say that?
5: Because you're within my reach again. Because I love you, Mary. As truly as ever a man loved a woman. Because this treasure, these riches, they sealed my lips. But now that they are gone, I can tell you how I love you. That is why I said thank God.
4: Then I say thank God too.
0: Whoever had lost a treasure, I knew that night that I had gained one. And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like, the Tea Room is open for you on Patreon. You'll get each episode early and ad-free. Today's episode featured the talents of Joshua as Sherlock, Paul as Watson, Robin as Mary, Austin as Athelny Jones, Wendell as Jonathan Small, and me, Willow, as your narrator. Links will be in the show notes. Until next week, take care, and we'll see you soon. (laughs) Detective, I need your help.
4: Your husband is missing.
0: You're remarkably well informed. In
4: 1937, a titan of industry disappeared.
3: You must understand, this changes everything. Everything?
1: Now, his grieving
2: wife.
0: Every day is a cruel joke. Because every night, you dream of her.
1: A mysterious detective.
4: Here we
5: are. Hexagram. 36 and a cop with something to prove there's a reason i got into this line of work and it isn't to cast women in need out into
2: the cult must confront dark secrets and you're sure he said aurora
0: detective my husband is an engineer not an occultist
4: and terrifying cosmic forces death marks people
2: changes them you can see it in her eyes.
0: Then do you believe in all this nonsense?
2: This isn't something you can outrun! Did you bring a woman here? She went up toward the lighthouse. God knows why. From Wrong Dimension Productions. What your husband and his friends attempted here has left a shadow in its wake. With Sally Walker Taylor.
5: I just want to find my husband.
2: Griffin Poatu.
5: Beat it. You
2: were never here, understand me? And Peter Berkwant. I told you there was nothing I could do for you. Rebecca, please.
1: Twilight Meridian. For details about the show, including our upcoming crowdfunding campaign, please visit us at
2: www.wrongdimensionproductions.com or follow us on Twitter at awrongdimension.com.